Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. As I've heard of other campuses going. So anyways, well, my name is Pete and I am so glad that you are here. Um, We are in a series through the gospel of Mark that we're calling The Crown and the Cross. And as we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, we've been seeing a lot of passages that that show Jesus as the king in powerful ways. And as we see him as the king, we learn a lot about what his kingdom is like. Tonight, we're going to look at another one of those passages. But before we launch in, um, I want to state a fact. And here's the fact. We are people, all of us, who are culturally conditioned. Let me, uh, let me explain what I mean by that. We are creatures of conformity. Um, I can prove it to you that you are a creature of conformity. Because in spite of what your middle school teacher taught you in grammar, when you text, you end your last sentence without a period. And why do you do that? Why do you not put a period at the end of your text? You, don't, you want to know why you don't put a period at the end of your text when you end your text? Because no one else does. That's why. Right? Because then you don't want to seem like you're angry at people. Heaven forbid you use a period. They're they're going to think you're so angry. And do you know how many periods I've deleted in the last year? Because I'm like, because I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I can't do that. Anybody else with me? Like you delete your periods and then, okay, yeah, because you want to be cool like that. Okay, so creature of conformity. Okay, let me tell you another ways that you are creatures of conformity. Um, Whenever I started here 20 years ago, people would say, oh, he's cute. Now they say he has what? Riz. Yeah, where did that come from? I mean, my kids are like talking about, oh yeah, he's got Riz or she's got Riz, you know. I'm like, why do we say these things? Because other people say these things. I remember we used to go places and we're like, oh, that place is nice. Now it's not just nice. Now we like the vibe, right? Am I right? It's like, oh, this has got a nice vibe. Well, when did we start saying that? I can tell you when I came here, we didn't say that. We just said that was nice. Now, we, now it has a nice vibe, clothes. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. I remember one year we bought all these t-shirts and overnight, all the girls started wearing different sizes of t-shirts. They all, it was like everybody got one size larger than they used to get. So we had all of these t-shirts. Like, what do we do with them? Because no one was buying them because everybody went to the oversized t-shirt look like that. I mean, there was, I don't know if it was on Instagram, but I missed it. I have no idea. But all of a sudden, boom, everybody just... We're like, uh oh, we're in trouble. We got all these. <laughs> you want to wash your car? You know, here's a t shirt. Okay, but to wipe your car with the t shirt. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> jeans. When I first came here, baggy jeans were in, and I wore baggy jeans until skinny jeans were going out, you know. <laughs> and then I started, you know, getting a little, you know, little smaller legged jeans. And then as soon as that happens, then everybody goes back to baggy jeans, which seems to be the thing now as I'm looking, right? It's like, it's like, it's just, why do we, because everybody else does it. And, and here's the thing. It's not like we pretend to like it. We really like it. It's like, oh, those baggy jeans look great. Three years ago, those were hideous, but now they're great. Are you guys following me? 
I'm looking out and I'm seeing something else I didn't see. I'm seeing mustaches. I say, I say, Avery, you got one of the best mustaches, bro. Okay. But you know, 20 years, no one, no one walked around with a mustache. You know what I'm saying? Not even beards. When I got here, there was no facial hair at UVA, but the follicles been set free and everybody loves it. Okay. My point is simply this. We are all creatures of conformity. And yet, here's the, here's the rub, is that when we look at what Jesus calls us to, he calls us to live differently. He calls us to live in a different kingdom. He calls us to live different than the kingdom around us. And that is challenging because we are people who naturally conform. Because Jesus, when he came, he came to initiate a brand new kingdom, a kingdom in the midst of a world that's broken, in the midst of a world that's hostile. He came to initiate a kingdom that would be a kingdom of restoration and a kingdom that would do the will of God. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at two banquets, two banquets that are put side by side by Mark in his gospel. And theologians, I I read probably three different commentators who are saying that these are put side by side for a purpose because they want you to contrast the kingdoms that they represent as we look at two banquets held by two kings that represent two radically different kingdoms. So if you will, get out your Bible to Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, and we have two maitre d's who's going to uh, welcome you to two banquets And so turn to Mark chapter 6, and then uh, why don't you ladies come forward and uh, welcome us to the banquets. Welcome to the palace of Herod and his royal banquet. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want and I will give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried into the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Welcome to Jesus' banquet in the wilderness. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. 
But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Thank you. Will you give a hand to our maitre d's? Two different banquets hosted by two different kings representing two different kingdoms. If you were to summarize each of those banquets with one word, what words would you use? This was a question that was posed to us in our small group that I'm a part of about a year ago. Let me tell you what words were said. It was said, take versus give. One profane, the other provision. One self-indulgence, the other serving. One, death, and the other, life. I mean, there's probably other descriptions that could, could be summarized in one word, but, but th- you couldn't have two more stark banquets side by side. So let's look at Herod's banquet. Herod's banquet, first of all, starts out with a guest list of the who's who. I mean, this, is, th- th- this, uh, this banquet is brimming with human power. Who does it say was there? It says that Herod's party was full of high officials, military commanders, leading people in Galilee. It was the who's who. And then, of course, to quote Mark Batterson, he says this, Herod's parties were epic affairs, emphasis on affairs. Three drink minimum, toga optional. What happens at Herod's palace stays at Herod's palace. This is what his banquet was like. In fact, let me tell you a little bit about um, Herod's family line. Uh, Herod Antipas is the son of Herod the Great, one of Herod the Great's 14 children from his eight wives, okay? Well, Herod the Great dies. Herod Antipas takes over part of the kingdom. His brother Philip takes part of the kingdom. In AD 26, Herod... Antipas goes to visit his brother Philip and his sister-in-law Herodias, who, by the way, Herodias is also the daughter of one of Herod Antipas's brothers. 
Okay, are you getting the family line here? So Herodias is simultaneously his sister-in-law and his niece. And because that wasn't enough, he goes for the family tree trifecta. And he hooks up with her, takes her as his wife, and then they go back to Galilee. Are you guys getting the picture? Well, John the Baptist calls it what it is, sin. And turns out people didn't like to be told what to do back then like they don't now. Who knew? And speaking truth to power into John the Baptist in prison. And so in the middle of this banquet, that's when things get weird. Herod Antipas, after having many drinks likely, brings in Herodias' daughter, his stepdaughter, to do a dance for his guests at the banquet. And this probably, no, it was well, not probably, it was not ballet or tap. This would have been a scandalous, scandalous dance. And Herod and his guests are so pleased. In fact, the word pleased is a word that's translated other places in scripture for sexual pleasure. They were so pleased by this scandalous dance that he, in the moment, with with the alcohol flowing, says, I'll give you whatever you want up to half of the kingdom. And so she runs out to go talk to her mom. And her mom says, I will take the head of John the Baptist. She exchanges half of Herod Antipas's kingdom for the head of John the Baptist and the banquet ends with the head of John the Baptist on a platter as the party favor. Quite a banquet. And then we have the banquet of Jesus. And the banquet of Jesus starts by the statement that Jesus had compassion on them because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And lest you doubt that this is a story about a king, if you look at the sheep without a shepherd term, it is used a few other times in the Old Testament, and each time that it is used, it's used to speak of the need of a leader for God's people or a king that would do God's will for God's people. So when it says he sees them as sheep without a shepherd, it's saying that he's getting ready to be their king. And so the king looks at the situation and sees the people who are like sheep without a shepherd. And as the other banquet turned on the bitterness of Herodias, this banquet will turn on the compassion of Jesus. And it says that Jesus has compassion on them. And who's on the guest list? It's not the who's who. It's ordinary people who are hungry. And they're not just physically hungry. They're hungry for God. That's why they're there. That's why they want to be around Jesus because they're hungry for God. And Jesus sees their hunger and he meets them in their hunger. And in the midst of the wilderness, they're not in the palace of Herod. They're in a remote place. They're in the midst of the wilderness. In the midst of the wilderness, he has compassion on them. And his compassion leads to provision. And so they find five loaves and two fish. And we find out five plus two equals 5,000, remainder 12. 
Because that's what happens when the king is involved. And we see that 5,000 people are fed to the full. That there's 12 baskets of leftovers. And we see that the banquet ends in abundance and life and provision because that's the nature of God's kingdom. If you, that's chapter six. If you keep reading in Mark, in chapter seven, you'll see a very interesting thing happen. Chapter 7, Jesus has conflict with the Pharisees and then he goes into a Gentile area and feeds 4,000 people. He has another banquet. He feeds 4,000 people this time and we find that 7 plus 2 equals 4,000 at this time, okay? And so at the end of, okay, so here's what's going on. Why is it important that he was in a Gentile area? Because the Pharisees understood that the Gentiles were the people who are God's enemy. They're outside of God's kingdom. And here's Jesus doing miracles in the Galilee region, feeding 4,000 in the Galilee region. And then at the end, after these two feedings, here Jesus says this really peculiar statement. You may have read it before. You may have heard it before. And you're like, what does that mean? Okay, here's what he says. In Mark 8, 15, Jesus says, be careful he warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. What does that mean? I'm so glad you asked. Here's what it means. It means that there's the, the yeast that will taint you in the Pharisees. And what would that be? That you would start to walk around with a sense of superiority over other people who are not in God's kingdom, thinking you are in God's kingdom, and you would have this sense of moral superiority. Your heart would become hardened to the other people. But, and he says, watch out for the east of the Pharisees who are blind to my heart. And make sure that you keep your heart sensitive to my heart. And then, what does it mean, the yeast of, the, of, of that of Herod? He's saying this, the yeast of Herod would be this, to make sure that you don't just start living like the rest of the world, that your banquets don't start and your life doesn't start to look like Herod's banquet, that it doesn't start to look like it's being built around yourself and your own self-indulgence and the indulgence of your flesh. And Jesus is saying that he wants you to live with him as your king, with his kingdom ethic, and him as the one who rules over your life with a benevolent rule. Okay, what I would like to do, I would like to take just a few minutes and look at a few contrasts between the kingdom of Herod and the kingdom of Jesus that we see from our two banquets tonight, and then we're going to close. So first of all, we see this, that God's kingdom is a kingdom where relationships are different. It's a kingdom where we're called to the way of love and not the way of bitterness. Um, I don't know if you caught the phrase as it described Herodias as Paige was reading. It says that she was nursing a grudge against John the Baptist. And look what happens as she nurses the grudge. Where does that grudge go? 
Versus what Jesus did is that Jesus looked and he looked at the people with love and with grace. And you're like, wait a second, how did he look at them with grace? Because he saw their need and he fed them and they didn't deserve to be fed. It was their own fault they were hungry. It wasn't his fault. But he looks at them with grace and he says, we need to feed them. And he looks at them with love and his compassion and care and love overflows with God's provision. Okay. The first difference between God's kingdom and the kingdoms of this world is that the, the, the way of God's kingdom is the way of love, not of bitterness. Here's, it's interesting, the yeast of Herod. Here's what yeast does. If it gets into the loaf, a little bit of yeast can do a lot to a loaf, can't it? And here's, here's the way Bitterness works. A little bit of bitterness in your heart. Just like you can't quarantine the yeast, you can't quarantine the bitterness. It will quickly take over. If you allow, if you nurse a grudge, it will quickly do something in your heart that will cause you to move in a direction that is not in alignment with God's kingdom. And so the first thing that we see is that God's kingdom is a way of love. Do you know what the most popular verse was that was quoted by the early church? What verse do you think was the most commonly quoted verse by the early church in their writings? Do you know what it was? It was love your enemies. Here they were in the Roman Empire, literally having their heads handed to them. And the most commonly quoted verse that they quoted was, love your enemies because they knew God's kingdom was, a, was about the way of love and not the way of bitterness. And here's what I know. If anybody here's ever been in relationships, and yes, I know that's all of us, this is hard. And I want to ask you today, Does your relational life, does your heart look more like the way of the kingdom of God and the way of love? Or does it look more like the way of Herod's kingdom? Secondly, we see the the second juxtaposition is we see that Herod's kingdom was a kingdom of selfishness and yet the kingdom of Jesus is a kingdom of service. I mean, think about this. Herod was going to get what Herod wanted no matter what it cost his brother. His brother! Herod's going to get what Herod wants no matter what it costs his brother. Herodias is going to get what Herodias wants no matter who it costs or how much it costs. There is no expense too great. Herod's, or Herodias is going to get what Herodias wants. And then... We look at the banquet of Jesus and it's not about what Jesus can get, but it's about what Jesus can give and he serves and he blesses and we see that the way of God's kingdom is the way of service and blessing. And here's the thing that, I I don't know if you guys noticed this, Jesus provided for them all, but he did not serve them all. Did you catch that? Who served them? Who served them? 
The disciples served them. So Jesus provided for everyone, but Jesus didn't serve everyone. Why? Because Jesus provides through his people serving. Does that make sense? And we see that, that this is the way the kingdom of God goes forward. When God's people start to serve, that Jesus will provide for them through those people. Okay, um, why do I say that? Because I believe that there is a high likelihood that Jesus has someone that he wants you to serve this year here at UVA. And that person likely is in your hall if you're in a dorm or in your program if you've long since moved out of a dorm. And Jesus has placed you around them because he wants you to serve them. You're like, well, what does that mean to serve them? I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, it means this, an act of hospitality like Hallie was talking about. It could, it could be to invite them to come hang out with your core group. It could be to invite them to Monday Night Live. It could be to invite them to come to your core group and to play volleyball with you. It can be something as simple as that, that that invitation can literally change their life because you decided that you're going to serve them and welcome them into your life. And I believe that if, if we were to take this step, we would see Jesus bless and serve so many people. If we'll just put ourselves, and so my son is, is a, a freshman at JMU and I talk to him on the phone often and I'll hear people he's inviting and pulling. And I'm just like, yeah, you're serving those that God has put around you. And I believe that Jesus has put you where you're at because he wants you to serve. He wants to use you. And you're like, well, I don't know if I can do it. Well, guess what? The disciples didn't know if they could do it either, but through the encouragement, provision, and love of Jesus, they did it. And you know what happened at the end? They got 12 baskets of leftover. Let me tell you what that means. They were blessed because they were being a blessing. As they were serving, God blessed them. There was abundance for them. And that is just a glimpse of what happens when we serve. So the second is God's kingdom is defined by the way of service, not by the way of selfishness. And then finally, my last point is simply this. Who is at the center of God's kingdom? It's Jesus and his glory and his power at the center, not human glory and human power. What was at the center of Herod's banquet? I'll tell you what was at the center of Herod's banquet. Herod! Human glory. Human power. His glory in all of its darkness. His own power. His own pleasure. His own will. He was calling the shots. And that banquet ends in a predictable fashion. It ends in death. And then we see the banquet of Jesus. Jesus is at the center. And what does it look like when Jesus is at the center? Here's what it looks like when Jesus is at the center. You see God's glory. You witness God's power. You see God's will be done. And how does it end? It ends in life and blessing. That's the difference. I mean, oh, so here's the deal. 
when we make Jesus the center, when we make Jesus the center of our houses, when we make Jesus the center of our core groups, when we make Jesus the, the, the center of, of, our, of his kingdom here, and we say we, that's how we want to live. We want to live in alignment with this kingdom. We want Jesus to be, to be at the very center. We will see God glorified. We will see his power at work among us. We will see God's will being done. And we'll see life. Every one of us has something at the center of our lives. You have something in your life that's the center of gravity for your life. Every one of us would have what a philosopher would call a telos. It's the thing that your life revolves around. It's It's your ultimate. It's the thing that you order your life around. It's the thing that um, is your ultimate love. Okay, so, so here's the, it's not whether you'll love something ultimate to be your ultimate, it's what will you love as your ultimate. It's not whether you will pursue something at, as the chief desire of your heart, it's what will be the chief desire of your heart, okay? I mean, that's, philosophers have talked about this for, your, for centuries because here's the thing, as, as it's been said many times, Fish swim, birds fly, and humans worship. We are made as worshipers. We're going to make a big deal out of something. The question is, what will be the center? What will be the thing that is the organizing reality of our lives that we order our lives around? And what we see is, is in the kingdom of, Jesus, of, of God, Jesus is the center. And when we order our lives around him, we will see his glory. We'll see his power. We will, his will will be done and life will flow. We all have a center. The question is, what is it? The human heart wants to bend in on itself and make us the center. In the kingdom of God, we bend out and Jesus is the center. I'm just going to close um, with asking three questions. Here are the three questions. Will we embrace the way of love, not the way of bitterness? I know this. In a room this size, there's some real broken hearts here. And I get it. If we had time to share stories, we could all share stories of deep, hard things. But I want to encourage you to not nurse a grudge and choose the way of God's kingdom, the way of love. Will we embrace the way of serving and not the way of selfishness? Here's the thing, I believe that this year, like there's people who Jesus has put you around because he wants to serve them through you. Here's the thing, it wasn't about, the banquet of Jesus wasn't about Jesus and the 12 disciples eating. That's not what the goal was. The goal wasn't for them to get together. Oh, that was a great meal. Thanks so much, Jesus. I love coming to your banquet. No, it was about who they could serve to expand the banquet. Are you guys getting my point? And then finally, what will be our center? God's glory with where five plus two equals 5,000 remainder 12.
or human glory that ends so differently. You know, as I read this story, I am encouraged because I am encouraged that Jesus is so patient with the disciples. Because they blow it. They're like, they're like, ah, Jesus, we can't do that. You know? And he's like, no, you can do it. And, and even though they're like slow catching on to the way of his kingdom, he bears with them. He encourages them. He calls them back. He's like, no, no, you, you're going to do this. You were, and, he, and he coaches them through it. And I love that he's so gracious with them when they're so slow of catching on to the way of his kingdom. And that is so encouraging to me because when I'm slow in these things, he's gracious with me too. And he's gracious with you. Isn't that good news? That's so good. And so the question is simply this, which do we most align with? Um, in response tonight, we're going to do a little, something a little bit different. Uh, where's Laura? Laura Skillen, where are you at? Where? Okay, there you are. Come, come on up. Uh, she's going to come and, and share for just a moment of a way we're going to live this out as a community or an opportunity to live this out as a community. And so... Um, She's going to talk about the, the way of service versus the way of selfishness and how God can use our community to be a source of blessing and service. So why don't you share a little bit? Hi, um, my name is Laura. If we haven't met, I'm a fourth year. Um, and so, yeah, so yeah, as Pete mentioned, service is something that our exec team, so shout out Patrick Bailey and Josh, who've you know, also been behind this, has been really passionate about this year, just because service, as we can see, is something that Jesus so clearly was passionate about as well. Um, And yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's really cool to get to introduce two new ways for our community to get involved. And so, yeah, I guess backtracking, service can sometimes seem like something you have to gear up for or something to, you know, rise to the occasion and do. And we feel, I don't know, as students sometimes, like, if we can't tackle the entire problem, what's the point of even serving in the first place? And so, um, Yeah, we have service-oriented spring break trips that are phenomenal, and oftentimes they can be someone's first chance at um, seeing, like, someone else's circumstances that are very different from their own. And so we have an opportunity to meet some physical needs without having to leave Charlottesville. And we start from where we're at. We're loving our neighbors just as radically as Jesus loves us. And so this month of October, we have a new initiative for each core group. And so we're going to partner with The Haven, which is a day shelter here, And um, they're motivated by radical hospitality to serve anyone and everyone that um, comes inside their place. So the workers at the Haven have made a list of all the essential items that really help in their ministry as they're serving people. And so each core group is going to get a bag. And we ask that you guys work together, fill the bag, and bring it back to the hub by October 27th. So that's, I think, two, three weeks from now? End End of the month. It's a Friday. I know we can do it. And um, so there's going to be a donation bin in the hub to put it there. And yeah, so then secondly, as, you, as if any of you guys read the email, which I hope you do, um, <laughs> there will be a service fair this Friday happening on the hub porch from 3 to 5 p.m. And so it's an opportunity to meet other people who are currently serving um, to see, you know, what the, how, they're, how they're involved in different organizations. And honestly, if you are currently serving and you haven't either heard about the fair or gotten in contact with one of us, come find me, someone else in exec, or even someone on staff. We'd love to have you. Um, and also, yeah, if you're not currently serving, we'd love to have you come. Um, yeah, we're blessed with a super wide community with very diverse interests. And so we know that there's a place that everyone can find, everyone can serve. And honestly, even if it's just a a chance to get connected and talk about what service means to you. So, 
yeah, thank you guys for participating and make sure that every core group has a bag on the way out and we'll fill it and we can bless our local community. So Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's beautiful. So if, if you didn't catch that, the Haven works with the unhoused here in Charlottesville and it's a way for us to serve and bless, um, bless that community um, here in Charlottesville. And so thank you to the exec team for organizing this and running with this and uh, we, we want to be a blessing. And so I think that's, those are some beautiful ways. Um, so here's our second way we're going to respond tonight. If you'll stand with me. I want you to put those questions back up if you don't mind just for a second. Here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to sing a song, but before we sing, I just thought maybe we could pray together. So if you could find one other person, maybe two other people if needed, and just say, hey, when he was talking, I feel like I, I, this is in my heart to align um, maybe with the way of love because there's a broken relationship in my life. I just want to align with the way of love. I don't want to nurse a grudge. Or maybe you want to pray together about, Lord, show me who I'm to serve. Or, or I knew when he said that, that there's somebody in my dorm that God has been putting on my heart that I'm supposed to invite to our core group and I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could be as simple as that. Because you'll be amazed at who will take you up on that offer. Or it may be, I've sensed a little bit of drift in my heart. And I, wanna, I want Jesus to be the center. I want his glory to be what my life is about. I want to witness his power and I want to do his will. So I just want us to take a minute. And so the worship team is just going to play softly. And let's just pray and just say, Lord, we want to align with the kingdom of God. We want you to be our king. And then we'll conclude with a song. Jesus says, Beware of the yeast of Herod. Lord, help us as we go through this week to live a life in line with the way of love, aligned with the way of service. lives of worship. Lord, help us to keep you at the center that you would be the one we orient our lives around. That we would see your glory, see your power, and do your will. tonight. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's have a great week following Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.